G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face, to helping you understand the issues going on in the world, to clear and understandable Bible teaching, all peppered with great Christian music, the latest news, and even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. Through the remainder of this hour, our opportunity to talk through some issues about what happens in some of the most remote places around Australia with Christmas upon us. And if you are living in any of the outback communities around Australia and you're listening to us now, you're thinking, well, I feel really connected. But you know what? I'm in a quite isolated community. I want to invite you to go to your telephone and call us and tell us what you're doing for Christmas this year. Because small towns, small communities, sometimes quite isolated, uh, Christmas is a whole lot different uh, for others who are living in larger towns and cities around Australia. So call and let us know how you spend Christmas and how you deal with those sorts of issues like isolation and loneliness, separation from family at a time of year when it's always good to have family united and coming together at Christmas time. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation. To talk through some of these issues in remote and outback communities, the Reverend John Dim is joining us. He's Patrol Minister in the Pilbara with the Frontier Services, part of the Uniting Church. John's providing pastoral care for people across the whole Pilbara, places in mining camps, cattle stations, Aboriginal communities, remote towns. And John is joining us. Hello, John. Welcome along to 2020. Good idea. How are you? Very well, thank you, John. And thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. Uh, you better just explain where you are. You're under a shady tree in the middle of the outback in the Pilbara, but uh, you've yeah. got phone reception. Where, whereabouts are you exactly? I'm 40k south, uh, north of Newman. Um, heading towards Tom Price. I've come out of Jimble Bar, which is a mining camp of 700 people, and I've been there for the last few days. And um, you know, I was at Yandy, another mining camp just before that. John, tell us what you do as a minister with the Frontier Services, because you spend a lot of time on the road, uh, travelling from community to community, because places so isolated as those in the Pilbara, they don't actually have too much opportunity to interact with a minister of the gospel. No, that's exactly right, Neil. I um, spend three weeks of every month on the road. The car becomes an office as well as a, uh, as everything else at times. Um and just to give you an idea, yesterday at Jimble Bar, I was talking... There's a lot of Irish workers out here at the moment in the mines, and I was talking to one of them yesterday, and um, they spoke to me for about an hour about how they're going to miss Christmas back home in Ireland, and how they like the sacraments here and everything else, and can we give them the sacraments, you know, communion for Christmas, which I said I could do. And we finished our conversation after about an hour, and I went to walk away, and um, this person said to me, Rev... And I said, what? Thank you for listening to me. No one else does. 
So I, I was quite taken back by that, you know. Yeah, quite taken back. And three weeks ago, I was up near Fitzroy Crossing, and I was sitting with a station owner up there on the banks of the Fitzroy River, and we just baptised his um, newest grandchild. And we're talking about life up there. And he was telling me how his grandparents founded that station, and it's a million acres, and they carry up just on 12,000 head of cattle. So you go from one little um, 700 men camp, women camp, to a little station up there where you take the sacraments to everyone. And, and that's the most beautiful part about it. Um, all my life I wanted to be a missionary and yeah, the Holy Spirit has got me in. Well, let me just focus in a little bit on that Irishman who called you back and said, hey, Rev, thanks for listening to me, because I suspect that uh, as a minister of the gospel, you might have in your mind that you go to these communities because you think they want to listen to you. But really, the opposite is often the case, and and they're just happy to have someone listen to them. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And it's taken me two and a half years to get into this mining work, and now the company's really appreciate it and they know how a chaplain can work in the mines and um, I was at a pre-start this morning there's about 70 or 80 of them there and they can't go back home because of the swing they're on they do three and one and some do four and one so they're here for Christmas and last night we had a very short service communion service in the camp and it was over a hundred of them coming for communion which was great and um, I said to him this morning, when you're talking, because I said to their bosses, how about on Christmas Day you make arrangements for them to be able to talk to their folks back home in Ireland? And Ireland's eight and a half hours um, behind us. So they're going to do that on Christmas Day. And I said, you can tell Mommy, you know, you're clean for Christmas Day now. You're right. <laughs> and everybody right. laughed and clapped. And one of the Australian men said to me afterwards, what do you mean? I said, well, we give them absolution. They're ready. And I said, that's the way they look at it. They want to be clean. They've had the Eucharist. They're happy now. And they can tell their parents back home that they're, they're ready for Christmas. And that's another interesting aspect of what you do because you're a minister of the gospel with the Uniting Church. But right. when you turn up into communities, mining camps, and there are people who are there from all over the world, and you're talking about the Irish, uh, well, yep. we might assume that they're coming from a Catholic background. Uh, not always, not always the case, because obviously Catholics and Protestants in in Ireland. But but you've got to be uh, prepared to meet those spiritual needs and aware of the way that those different Christian denominations function. Absolutely, and also we have some Muslims in the camp, the Muslims. And um, luckily, in my past, I've been a chaplain in a hospital in Melbourne where we dealt with Muslims a lot. Um, so that helps. It's Neil Johnson with you. You're listening in on 2020. Our guest this hour is the Reverend John Dim, who is Patrol Minister in the Pilbara with Frontier Services. And uh, John's been manoeuvring himself to uh, a location and hopefully a little bit better reception on his phone there. Are you with us, John? I'm with you, Neil, yes. Okay. John, let me ask you about issues of being so isolated. Is it a particular sort of person who who just loves isolation, or do people choose to be isolated? Uh, if you're there of, uh, of it, when it's not your choice, I guess it's harder to deal with. Yeah, look, most of the people I deal with in the mining camps um, come up here for a certain period of time. Some do it for five years, some for three years. And I tell them all, as soon as they get here, to set a goal and to stick to that plan. And once they've 
finish that plan, like might, might be paying off a mortgage or might be buying a block of land or might be for something else. But once you hit that goal, that's the time to go back home. And um, only the other day I was talking to a chap who's got five kids and this is going to be his last swing because he feels that it's time he went back home to his family now. They've paid the house off and everything is good. Mm. So you've got those who are, you know, as you say, they've got a plan and they're earning pretty good money when they're working in the mines. Uh, What about the contrast there to people who are the locals or those who are not working in the mines, those who are not even employed? Uh, Is it difficult because it's obviously very high prices, I guess, high prices for fuel, high prices to uh, rent uh, some accommodation somewhere, high prices to eat? Uh, Is there a big issue there that you're, you're up against sometimes? No, not really. Um, they try and employ the locals. Uh, they try and bring the locals in to do, say, someone who's unemployed, they'll bring them in to do house cleaning, you know, clean the rooms and stuff like that. And they make dash good money doing that. Um, and if we find out someone in the town is really suffering in a small town, like um, in one of the towns nearby here, it's a big Aboriginal community, and BHP donate to them and help out. Mm. Okay, let's come back to uh, isolation because along with isolation comes loneliness and uh, this sort of loneliness, I imagine that uh, can even affect your mental health. Uh, You know, you need to have some sort of interactions and uh, I guess some people feel as though they're loners, but how do people deal with loneliness mostly in the outback? I I tell them not to go to bed at the night time because you're up at 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock. You're working 10, 12 hours out here in the paddock they go and have dinner of a night, then they're into their donga and into bed. And it become if you've got mental health issues, it can close in onto you very quickly. And I tell them to say a little prayer before they go to bed, you know. Ask the Lord for help. Don't focus on what's happened at home. Don't focus on what's happening somewhere else. But today with modern communications like Skype and all that, I know quite a few people who ring their families at 6 o'clock on Skype and they're sitting around the kitchen table and dad or mum comes in on the Skype and they can talk about what's happened in the day. And those communications are available from the rooms now today, which is great. I'm always interested with the very, very simple things that we do as Christian believers and with our faith. And when you say, say a little prayer, that's actually more therapeutic than what most people appreciate. What sort of a difference does it make? You must hear stories of people who actually take your advice and they do say a little prayer when they are feeling those twinges of loneliness because of their isolation. A strange thing happened. I um, called in home oh, 10 days ago, I think, two weeks ago, and um, my wife handed me a parcel that came from some people in Melbourne, from um, Mount Waverley United Church in Melbourne. And a chap there is very good at woodcraft. And he made me a dozen little palm crosses that fit in the palm of your hand. They're flat, they're wooden, they're absolutely beautiful. And I thought, what am I going to do with these? And I had them in the car. And I came across a couple of people in a couple of camps who were very stressed. And I gave them a hand, uh, a palm cross to look after them. And only one said to me at dinner last night, she came up and sat down with me at dinner and was talking to me. And she said, oh, Rev, thank you for that little gift. She said, it's so beautiful. And she said, I'll put it in my bra. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's funny. She said, I wear it in my bra, but it's close to my heart and it keeps me calm. 
And it's a reminder, isn't it? Yeah, just a simple little thing like that. And another one who's the superintendent, he says he carries it in his pocket. And when he has hard decisions to make or he has to go and drill someone for doing something wrong, he puts his hand on his palm cross. And he said, I just say, Lord, guide me. Just simple little things like that, Neil. It's a, it's a reminder that God is there and that we are connected to him and that we don't leave him out of the conversations, we don't leave him out of the decisions, we don't leave no, him out right. of our lives. That's right, that's right. And it's hard also for some ministers too. Um, the loneliness can get to you, the isolation can get to you at times. And I must say in the 13 years or so I've been in the outback, only once I got bitten by the isolation and the loneliness, and that was travelling across a desert in South Australia. And I'd only been in the outback about 12 months at that particular time, and I remember it quite well. It was a very, very hot day, and um, I had stopped, and I got some water out of the car, and I sat there and drank the water, and all of a sudden I burst into tears. Mm. And I said, Holy Spirit, what, what are you doing to me? What's happening? But what happened was, because I'd been a hospital chaplain for many years in a cancer hospital, everything was coming up out of me. Every conversation, everything was coming up. And it was like a cleansing process. And I've been as good as gold from that day to this. It's like a, a grief outworking in you when you, uh, in fact, in that role that you have as a, a pastoral care minister, you are you are actually immersed in people's lives and the challenges they're facing. And sometimes people wonder, how, do, how does the minister deal with all of that when he's carrying everybody else's burdens as well as his own? Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess I'm very lucky. I have a great spiritual director and um, he's elderly. He's in his 80s and he's a Franciscan. But he knows when I'm suffering. I, I don't know how, but he knows when I'm suffering. And he'll ring me and he'll say, how are you, dear boy? And I'll say, oh, so-and-so, I'm fine. No, you are not fine. Let us now pray and let us now cleanse you out. And, and that's the way how it works. Because we carry everyone else's burdens, but who carries ours? I'll tell you who carries ours, my spiritual director and the Holy Spirit. And without them, I could not operate um, talking to some other ministers, they say, oh, we don't need a spiritual director or we don't need a supervisor. We do because we are human and we do carry a lot of problems with us. It reminds me of the analogy of having your car serviced. And uh, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, you, you're, you're floating along, you're, you're doing well, everything's working mechanically, but every now and then you've got to be in for a service and uh, you get sort of you get things worked out. It's the grease and the oil change and then you're back on your way and functioning at full speed again. Yeah, that's right. I make a retreat every year for a week. I go away for a week on a retreat and I go to um, a monastery, Catholic monastery, and I just find the peace and tranquility there recharges my batteries. Now... Stop. Sorry? I was going to say uh, that that's uh, that's uh, amazing uh, to do that recharge the batteries. Uh, what I was going to say is uh, your wife Marilyn, uh, yeah. she's she's back home. That's in Tom Price, isn't it? Yeah, very practical lady. She makes sure my feet are on the ground. Very much so. Well, and so when we talk about loneliness and isolation, uh, you, you're away oftentimes driving uh, for days and days to get to outback centres, and uh, she's obviously sure. dealing with her own issues of uh, of of waving goodbye to you on some of those mornings. 
Yeah, that's right, and we talk two or three times a day. But um, she doesn't mind being by herself at the moment because she's right into the quilting. And uh, she can do whatever she likes at home. And I'm not there virtually, you know. My office becomes full of quilts, and her little office in the house is full of quilts. And um, she's great friends with a Catholic nun who lives in Tom Price, Sister Margaret Kilcane. And we're great mates. Margaret and I work together quite often um, with communities. And she and Margaret have formed a great relationship, which I, I think is great, you know. Now, wanting to invite listeners to our conversation today to call in sure. and let us know what you're doing uh, to deal with the isolation in your community. I mean, uh, maybe you're not quite as isolated as John Dim, who is our guest this hour, but, but you might like to call in and uh, let us know what you're doing for Christmas. And if you're missing family, if you're missing those uh, intimate family uh, relationships that you might ordinarily have, but because you're in an isolated place, you might like to call us on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Love to hear your story this hour, uh, John. Uh, let me ask you about the mining communities. A lot of those workers are fly-in, fly-out workers. It's difficult to actually form long-term friendships when you're a fly-in, fly-out worker. Do people keep to themselves a lot? Or or are there actually some great friendships that are formed uh, when you've got workers working together? Look, we're, they're, they're like family to each other. They're, um, they form some great and powerful friendships there. And I've learned in the three years I've been here in um, the Pilbara that they're moving friendships. You might know, I'm in the more in the construction camps than I am in the production so when construction comes to an end after 12 months or 18 months, they all move on. But now they've got to know me so well, I'm moving on with them to different construction sites and catching up with them again. But only one said to me the other day, we started up a program called Do Care, I Do Care, which is a program looking after your neighbour. Um, if someone doesn't turn up for a pre-start, pre-start at um, 6 o'clock in the morning, they ring. And if they don't answer the phone... They send two people back to the room to find out if the person's okay or not. Stuff like that. Yeah. And they tell me they carry that sort of care home to their own families. Do you Which have is a great example? Yep. Do you have uh, issues there and some of the symptoms that might indicate where people are not doing so well? And I'm talking about uh, you know alcohol consumption and no, I'm no, not no, sure. No. no, those sorts of things are not big issues on mining camps. Yeah, I love going for a walk around the camp at 8 o'clock at night and you find out who's got issues and who hasn't because they're sitting outside their rooms with their head down. Um, I came across a chap the other night sitting there playing his guitar and I said to him, are you okay? And he said, yeah, Rev, I'm good, I'm good. He said, this is my release. This is what helps me sleep. And I said, that's good, brother. That's good. And then he said, can you share a prayer with me? Sure, no worries, we'll say a prayer together, and we did. And then I went around the corner, and here was a lady sitting out there. And she had tears, you could tell she had tears in her eyes. And I said, what's the matter? Oh, my 12-year-old son's graduating today. Apparently they have a graduation now from primary school to the next level. And I can't be there for him. So I sat and talked to her for nearly three quarters of an hour. And then we shared a prayer together. And then I gave her a, a, a palm cross, you know. And, um, yeah, yeah, just to see the smile on her face the next morning was beautiful. Is there that's, a, how you can, that's how you pick them out. Is there a growing anticipation that, you know, a week from now it's going to be Christmas Eve and then it's going to be Christmas Day? Uh, what do people do in mining camps? And, uh, well, 
focus on the mining camps, and I'll ask you about uh, cattle stations, but what, what yep. happens in mining camps on Christmas Day? Christmas Day, they've got an RDO. They have um, sleeping in the morning, and then they will have um, Christmas dinner together, and then they can do whatever they like for the rest of the afternoon. But they put on a big Christmas dinner for them. And each day, each day for the last week or so up to Christmas, like yesterday we had what's called Candyland. And you had to go into the dry mess, which is the um, refectory where you get your meals from, and you pull a candy stick out of the box. And you give that candy stick to someone else, and then they give you one back. Uh, so little things like that are going on. And, and today is Iceworks where they go in and they share a cold drink with each other tonight over dinner. And um, then they've set up a special room for the um, ones who come from overseas where they can talk to their people on Skype on Christmas Day also. Mm. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Audrey, who is in York in WA. Hello, Audrey. Welcome along to 2020. I oh, thank you very much, and uh, it's good morning over here and good afternoon there. <laughs> it is, that's right. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. What I wanted to bring um, bring out was, and it's a very well-known fact, actually speaking, but uh, I, I've had a terribly uh, split family, and for 38 years, although I'm a, a Christian that absolutely... You know, I adore the Lord. I live twenty four seven for Him. That yeah. I I actually dread the Christmas season coming up because I missed all the time with my with my children. Um, my family has like grown up and turned to drinking, and I'm still very much you know a, a, a Christian and prefer not to do the drinking. Um, I will still blend in for a meal and enjoy the meal and the love and the company and let everybody know that I love them and, you know, that it's through Jesus that Christmas has come and I share the gospel. Um, I'm 67, so my kids are really growing up and I've got grandkids growing up, but the isolation I feel within is devastating you know because I brought the kids up like my memories are like about 10 or 12 years of a beautiful time with the children you know teaching them about Jesus going to church and then you know furthering it with fellowship at the meal and and friends and family and all this sort of thing and that the isolation for me it's like it's like about two months of the holiday season and the Christmas season and then things like that. So I, d- I don't know um, whether this is a valid thing to bring up, but it really is isolation within. The isolation within and the idea too, as Audrey is sharing there, John Dim, uh, that, uh, that people who've had wonderful Christmas experiences... Uh, in their earlier years, things change. Sometimes you lose a partner and, or you find yourself in a fly-in, fly-out situation and you're isolated from family. Uh, things change very dramatically. What are your thoughts on what Audrey was sharing, John? Oh, look, look I, I pray for Audrey every day, people like Audrey, um, because um, only yesterday I came across someone in one of the communities who hasn't spoken to his sister for 30-odd years. Mm. And I asked him, could he give forgiveness? And he said, she's got to give me forgiveness first. 
Mm. And I said to him, don't let anger, don't let anger rule your life. Mm. Don't let anger rule your life. And I can feel for Audrey and I can feel her pain. Mm. And I say to her, celebrate that you have a family, celebrate you've got grandchildren and celebrate that they will enjoy Christmas even though you're absent from it. Mm -hmm. Because the most important thing is just don't let the anger dwell inside you. Get the anger out and let the Holy Spirit come inside you. And, And because kids of today, you know, kids of Audrey's kids' age and my kids' age, they celebrate stuff different to us. They celebrate different. They live a different life to us. And, yes, I I can feel her frustration and I can experience her frustration. And it's the same with the people on the cattle stations. All their kids have gone to town, everywhere else. And it it is that isolation within. But don't let it eat away at you like a cancer, for goodness sake. Celebrate that you have a family. Celebrate that the grandkids will enjoy themselves. And, And that's the only advice I can give you, Audrey. Audrey, great to hear from you. You have a happy and holy Christmas and uh, know that you're not the only one who feels those twinges of isolation and loneliness and concerns about family. Thanks so much for calling in today on 2020. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you, John Dim, our guest. He's the patrol minister in the Pilbara with Frontier Services and we're talking through issues of loneliness, isolation and what happens in outback communities when Christmas rolls around. Uh, John, let me ask you about what happens with people who live on remote cattle stations uh, when there's a preacher coming close by. Uh, a whole bunch yep. of them get together and uh, they visit one another and, and uh, if you're turning up, there's a whole lot of people gathered to meet you. That's right. Mm. So you're that's right. We we usually have a church service and then we have a nice barbecue or something afterwards. And uh, it's it's just great, great community stuff. I love it. I love it. And I can remember um, on the virtual track at the moment, there's a beautiful family there, and the mother had a stroke a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they're all in all in Adelaide at the moment with the mother trying to work through this stroke, and she's was one of the most dynamic women on stations that I've ever met. And she was the last one I would think would ever have a stroke. But obviously the Lord is telling them something and I've been, their family's been in touch with me quite regularly about it. So we keep them in our prayers during Christmas. You're on your way to a special gathering this coming weekend. Uh, where, are you, where are you going to be? Uh, which station are you going to be at? Uh, out at Huli Huli Station. I'll be out there for um, the weekend. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of different people from different stations, different cattle yeah, stations coming, all, all converging yeah. on the one? Yeah, coming in and we've got to prepare for a wedding, which we're going to have next year. And and um, also we'll do a little Christmas service and have some Christmas carols and yeah, just enjoy ourselves out there. Mm. So you find when you when you're arriving, uh, you've got a whole lot of business to do. And we talk about uh, you know talk about uh, being a Christian minister of the gospel. There's a whole bunch of things that can that can happen. The planning for the wedding, and you've got baptisms, and you've got all sorts of different things that you do oh, when you're there. That's a, that's absolutely right. The other week I was up near Fitzroy Crossing on um, Jubilee Downs, and I had a beautiful baptism up there, and and planning for a wedding up there next May. I think it's the 26th of May, if I remember rightly. But, yeah, yeah, I get there a couple of days early and we talk about that. And then on the actual day, it's great to sit around with the other women and men of the other stations and just sit around a campfire of a night time and just yarn about stuff. 
Mm. Yarning about stuff has got to be important because uh, as I reflect on something you mentioned just a short while ago uh, where you've Mm. got the children who've grown up on the station but but then they find their way to the city and they leave their parents. Uh, There's a certain level of isolation and loneliness there that people who live on cattle stations experience. Yeah, and then they've got the tough decisions to make to wish now we sell out. And please God, some of them do come home and take over, you know. But um, uh, now cattle starting to pick up. The income might start to pick up over the next few years and very much worthwhile. People up in your area there are suffering badly from the droughts, you know. And please God, you know, rain does come for them. Mm. Uh, those communities that are affected by drought, and given your experience there in the Pilbara, mm. where for most of us our perception is it's like drought all the time, although it's mm. not obviously not the case, but uh, reflecting on South Australia and what you know of outback communities in Queensland yeah. and in New South Wales, a lot of people doing it tough right now with, with drought hitting very hard. That's right. And they also have the same expenses still going on, and um, banks are not very forgiving. Um, the government makes out they're forgiving, but they're not very forgiving. They still charge them for their leases on their pastoral leases and other stuff they've got to pay out, you know, even though cattle prices are high. Um, the money's not there. The money gets eaten away by, well, for argument's sake, up in the Kimleys there. They've got to come to Broome to put the um, stock on the ship. The stock's got to be um, sprayed. And, and in my nativity, I said to one bloke, who pays for that? The government. And he goes... You've got to be joking, Rev. We've got to pay for that. And they pay for the transport. They pay tax on something else. And, you know, the bottom line's still not there yet, Neil. No, we've all got our own financial challenges, but uh, mm. certainly the ones that people in outback, remote uh, cattle station communities, they, they've got their own real challenges. And you know, unless we're reading the uh, the rural news, we might not even appreciate that so much. Running out of time right. a little bit here, what are you doing on Christmas Day, John? Are you, whereabouts are you going to be on Christmas Day? Um, I get home this afternoon and I'm going to have a day at home tomorrow then out and do the service for the stations and then I'll be back on Monday and we'll leave I think Marilyn told me we're leaving on Tuesday to go to Perth mm. okay so we're, for you this year you're you're jumping on a plane and you're flying south no, you'll no, be no, in, we no? drive down it takes two oh. days to drive down to Perth <laughs> okay two days drive uh, like this... I, from from Tom Price to Perth I can get to Vietnam cheap okay <laughs> Uh, you cover a lot of kilometres. Do, do you know how many kilometres you'd cover in a year? Uh, about 70,000, 65,000, 70,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing yeah. stuff. And, John, well, to you and your wife, Marilyn, uh, just want to express, uh, you know, God's richest blessing on you in the work that you continue to do there in the Pilbara as the Thank patrol minister there for uh, uh, the frontier services there in the Pilbara and uh, that pastoral care that you're providing for people right throughout that whole region. I'm sure people are listening in in various communities there. A lot of them will know you because we're broadcasting into a lot of those communities there in WA. And uh, for uh, people in Aboriginal communities or on cattle stations, and we were talking about mining camps, uh, I'm sure you are a great blessing to a lot of people who are are in those communities and sometimes by choice and sometimes doing it pretty tough. But uh, John, uh, And to to you and your listeners, you know, um, I pray that you have a happy, holy and safe Christmas to everyone. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.